Good morning, good morning, everybody. Stand as we open in worship. I can't think of another way to open the declaration of victory in Jesus. Sing it with us this morning. Well, I heard an old, old story How Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me And I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory plunged us to victory beneath the cleansing flood amen right yeah and he knew me regardless of how he knew me he loved me and that's a good thing to know this morning thank you so much for joining in to our singing this morning time of worship here in the sanctuary and if you're joining by live stream thank you so much for just taking some time at home to to be a part of the worship experience that we have this morning it's good to see you here on what we call what Super Bowl Sunday right 
Yeah, There's somebody asked me if I was watching the game this afternoon. I will, just kind of it's an obligatory kind of deal uh, to watch the Super Bowl, I reckon. But I, I do wish that, uh, I, wish, I wish better teams, can I say that? Better t- <laughs> I guess the better teams are playing. I wish it was different teams. How's that? Does that work? Yeah. yeah so... Uh, but anyway, it is going to be this afternoon be a lot of activity with a lot of fun with that and going around the country as we pay attention. But you know what? What is more important than Super Bowl is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That tops everything, and I hope that you, as you come together this morning, we honor that, value that much more in some football game. If you're here, Super Sunday, Super what? Super Savior, there you go, yeah. Uh, if you're here for the very first time, thanks for coming this way. We would love to get to know you, and you can do that by texting that number on the screen there. A better way really would be just go by the welcome kiosk and just uh, do it and before you just leave your name and address, and we would love to get in touch with you with some more information about our church and just to say, hey, we're glad you're here, and we welcome you to be a part of what we do here. Let's continue to sing this morning. Worship team is to lead us. Join in this morning as we lift the name of Jesus. So this is also Valentine's weekend, so I was thinking about songs this morning. Uh, I was thinking about songs that reflected God's love. And uh, I remember the first time I heard this song that we're about to do, and I thought, man, how well that song says that. Some songs I hear and I go, man, I wish I had written that song. And this is one of those songs because it just simply gives the message so simply that we're loved by Him. And um, it's so humbling sometimes to think that um, in spite of all my my shortcomings and my failures, that, that God still was willing to send His Son, Jesus, to die in my stead, to pay my price. Sing this with us this morning. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father to you all. Do I? 
say this morning that's your joy to honor him for you are my king you are my king Jesus you
we can only even think about this because of the way that you've loved us. So Lord, as we dive into your word, speak to our hearts this morning, God, and let us be obedient. Let us be bold in our faith. If you call us to, to action and to respond, that God, we would, we would do that with, with no shame. And that God, we would, as that song says, that we would honor you, God, and it would be our joy to honor you. Lord, in the finite way that we're able to understand love, Lord, we just offer our love here this morning and our appreciation and gratitude, God, for what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's one here that, God, you're speaking to their heart even now that has never said yes to you, that today could be their day. We love you in everything that we do. We honor you. Amen. You may be seated this morning. If you've been around Christianity for any length of time, a given that you know to be true is this, that God moves in mysterious ways. That's not such a hard concept to grasp. We see it, have seen it throughout history. We read about his mysterious ways in the Old Testament. God was and is and has been and will continue to be a God of surprise. And if you were here last week or watched it on live stream, we talked about that. He showed up in many unexpected ways, and I called that sermon last week, Unexpected God. I'm pretty sure that most all of us, if you've been saved for any length of time, could tell of a time when God brought a surprise into your life or he showed up and at an unexpected time at just the right time when maybe you needed him most or he did something in an unexpected way you've been praying and praying for something and uh, you were waiting for him to pray and maybe he answered prayer in a different way than what you had anticipated yet he answered the prayer and often has been much better way we don't quite get that but in a better way than what we had been praying for a total surprise I think he does this much more than what we want to give him credit for not just from a standpoint of what it is that we can get from him but and there are times when I believe he's showing up in unexpected ways to maybe steer us back into the right direction being guidance for us that we are that he's saying this is the direction this is the path I want you to go and I'm going to place these obstacles or I'm going to place this person or I'm going to uh, cause this situation to happen so it kind of knocks us back into the path that he's wanting us to go and I think oftentimes we look at that and say why did this happen when it's God saying hey I'm doing this because I want you to follow this path so I think there are times when he's working behind the scenes and we're not giving him credit for what he's doing those wonderful things incredible things I, I believe that he's often doing this in ways that we don't ever see it we don't know what's happening 
Some of his surprises have been through the visual history, or, or we've seen it throughout all of history. His surprising ways did not stop when Jesus came onto the scene. We have, and so this sermon this morning is, an unexpected Jesus, uh, meaning Jesus himself offered all sorts of surprises, his share of surprises. You think about some ways that Jesus surprised. Well, certainly his birth was a surprise, a big surprise to Mary and Joseph, right? It should have been no surprise to mankind because it had been prophesied for 700 years before that. Uh, his birth was, was something that, that Isaiah spoke about and with the, trying to get the world ready for this. It should have been no surprise. But to that soon-to-be mother, news of her pregnancy came as a surprise and expressed in her words. How can this be? Now, that's surprising words, is it not? How's this happening to me? And certainly it was surprised when Mary told Joseph about the baby coming. No doubt about that. He surprised people in his humanity. And what I mean by that, not coming with pomp and royalty as a king, but as a lowly and ordinary man that Isaiah had described, it goes like this in Isaiah 53, 2. For he, had, for he shall grow up before him a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or, or comeliness. When, when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. He's not coming as the, some incredible person that all of a sudden the world is going to look at and say, this is him, this is who it's, they've been, we, we've been waiting for. But basically, as an ordinary person, that was surprising in how he came in his humanity. When he was 12 years old at the temple, certainly he surprised his teachers, the teachers of the law, by his interest and the adult conversation that he was able to have through the questions and answers that he posed to those who were listening. Luke 2.47 says it this way, Everyone who heard him was amazed. It's another way of saying was surprised at his understanding and his answers. Jesus surprised people by his treatment of outcasts curing diseases of people that everyone else would just scatter away from, shunned people, he would go, and he wasn't afraid to touch them or allow them to touch himself. He associated, he surprised people by, with uh, associating with sinners and people that were rejected by religion. He surprised people in his treatment, watch this, of women. He noticed women in a society where men and women were often polarized and separated from each other. Jesus included women that caused surprise. Even Jesus' own disciples were surprised by the way that he treated women. After talking with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, the Bible records the disciples that it says they were surprised that he was found talking to a woman. 
At that time, Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. So it wasn't just surprised that he was found talking to a woman and that she was a, a Samaritan woman at, on top of it. Unusual for men to speak to women. He surprised them that way. He surprised that particular woman when he told her that she had had five different husbands. Jesus not only spoke with them, he healed women. And he befriends them. We're so familiar with the story of how he was friends with Mary and Martha and spent many hours with Lazarus, the brother, and the family in their home. And what about the time he surprised a woman called in adultery, both a woman and an outcast? When they drug her out of the house, Jesus doesn't condemn her. That surprised everybody. Come on, come on, Jesus, you should do this. She's been in caught and wrong, and, and it's surprising what he does to her. Instead, he told her to go and sin no more. And boy, how, what about surprising her accusers when instead of going along with them, he just started riding with his finger in the dirt? And they were so surprised about it that eventually they all just left and disappeared. He surprised people not only dealing with all of those folks and how he dealt with children. John Ortberg said this in an article, In the ancient world, children were routinely, routinely, watch this, routinely left to die of exposure. Can you imagine that? Particularly if they were the wrong gender. You can guess which one was the wrong one. He goes on to say they were often sold into slavery. Jesus' treatment of and teachings about children led to the forbidding of such practices as well as orphanages and godparents. A Norwegian scholar named Bake uh, wrote a study of this impact simply entitled When Children Became People, the Birth of Childhood in early Christianity, Jesus started that. Surprised the people that were around him. He surprised people in his answers and his dealings with everyday relationships. Just think about what he teaches concerning forgiveness, turning the other cheek, how you treat your enemy. He surprised people who thought that they had him figured out and those who couldn't make sense of him. He didn't act like talk and talk like they thought he should. They, he, they certainly didn't act like they thought God should. He didn't keep up with the man-made religious traditions as they thought. He surprised many by doing what they thought he should, should do, at, uh, the, by not doing what he, they thought he should do at the time he should do it. For instance, Mary and Martha. They wanted him to come immediately, but he delays, remember? It wasn't what they thought. He surprised them by not showing up until it was time. The Syrophoenician woman who begged him to come and, and cast out an unclean spirit out of her daughter, Jesus doesn't immediately respond. Instead, he gives some kind of rather perplexing answers that, that even many debate today as to why he would, he would have said those things. 
But eventually, he tells the woman, hey, you can go your way now. Everything's going to be all right. Your daughter is healed. He often surprised his disciples. He surprised them by not going to places that they thought he should go. And likewise, he surprised them by, by going to places they thought he should not go, like to Jerusalem when it wasn't safe for him, appearing when they weren't expecting him in ways that were just as surprising, walking on the water in the middle of a storm surprised them. When, the, when they gathered for, in fear in a room after the crucifixion, all of a sudden he shows up after they think he's dead. He surprised people over and over in how he lived. And he surprised people in how he died. And incredibly wonderful for us and for history, he surprised people that he came back to life. And in that wonderful account, there were many surprises like when he showed up in the same room as many disciples, even though the door had been locked. And then there's one of my favorite stories. I, I just really enjoy this story. Jesus surprises two men walking home from Jerusalem, downtrodden as way they're described, and dejected by the news of his death. It's a remarkable story about this encounter on the road to Emmaus. So that's where we're going to read today. This, you could turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verse 13. You'll see it on the screens there. You can follow along. Now that same day, the two of them, talking about the men who'd been in, they'd witnessed so much that particular week, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. It's the very same day as, the, as when the resurrection had taken place. There's two followers. They're on the way to going, on the road to going home into this little village uh, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were traveling with heavy hearts as what had happened. No doubt they were greatly bothered by the events that they had been, that they had been uh, witnesses to over the last few days. And I think in a sense we can identify with these two men at times when our dreams have been shattered and hope seems to evade us and we're feeling dejected and lonely we feel like we've lost hope uh, and and it just seems like it just seems to evade us if not temporarily maybe permanently as we feel this way fear and doubt often consume our thinking and will paralyze our actions and the ability to move beyond. One of the followers' name is Cleopas. We don't know the other name of the disciples. They're walking along. These two, they're clearly disappointed, and they're delusioned and resolved to leave their foolish dreams in Jerusalem. They're so dejected. For a long time, they've been following this man. They knew much about him. And as much as they could, they truly believed. Verse 14 says, They were talking with each other about everything that had taken place, that had happened. I had plenty of time to talk on this seven-mile journey 
between Jerusalem and their home, walking along. About the difference in mileage from, say, here to the Chick-fil-A up in O'Hickory Boulevard. They had time to talk about things. And from the euphoria of the celebration that they had most likely witnessed when Jesus first comes into the city to the terrible events of that fateful Friday, their hearts they were broken over the loss of their leader. And although they had heard rumors of the tomb that they had found empty that morning, they could not, would not, and did not believe any of the wild stories about a resurrection. And so they're walking and they're talking, and I'm sure they, they started doing a lot of thinking as we do today, if only. If only things had gone a little different. Or maybe they're asking the question, why did this happen, have to happen to someone like Jesus? He was supposed to be God. He was supposed to be the Messiah. This wasn't supposed to happen. And I think there are times when we identify with that exactly. Why do these things happen? If only we could change this or that. And like anyone who's lost a loved one unexpectedly, they just try to make sense about this tragedy. Verse 15 says they, they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Luke describes these disciples having a conversation, and, and it's a give and take of ideas back and forth with, with this great emotion and search for answers, and it, it's all of a sudden they're joined by another person. The surprise guest comes and joins them and in their conversation. And then there's this. Verse 16 says, they were kept from recognizing him. No, he was. Even though he had, they'd been followers, they don't know who he is. And it says basically that the eyes of the followers were prevented from recognizing Jesus. To them, he, he was just an ordinary man, a stranger who's joining them on the journey. Now, I can't help but think that you know just kind of can you picture it in your mind here that I mean really doesn't it just kind of make you kind of smile about this maybe it's a laughable situation that the very person that they're talking about that they've had so much interaction with the person that they're grieving so much over that they think is gone forever has joined in their walk and in their conversation. Have you ever been part of something when you know that the outcome is going to surprise someone? You ever? You know? Yes? No? Just a few? Oh, come on. Like playing jokes on somebody. Several weeks ago, Kelly and I were down in the white building checking something out. Now, that's where Mary Ellen Hamilton, our ministry assistant's office is. As we were kind of standing around in there, we saw her come driving up to the building to come to work. And, and Kelly has this brainchild of, hey, let's scare her. I tried to talk him out of it. But if you know Kelly, he's that jokester. 
He was just insistent on scaring her. So he, he locked the door as if the building was still locked from overnight. And he goes into her office, closing the door behind him and locking it. And, and, and he crawls under her desk. I wasn't going to be any part of it. So I went and hid in another part of the building. <laughs> and when she came in, totally unsuspecting anything out of the ordinary, Kelly came out from under the desk and she, she nearly came out of her skin. She screamed. And I'm pretty sure I heard Kelly scream also. <laughs> yeah, he's just so mean. He's not even here to hear this. Oh, there he is at the very back. back. It, did that, it happened, didn't it? Just like that. <laughs> we all had a good laugh about that. She's sick this morning. I'm sorry that she's not here to hear that. I hope you're watching by live stream, Mary Ellen. You know, We all have a good laugh on you this morning, right? I don't know for sure, but I think maybe Jesus is getting a kick out of listening to them talk about him when they don't even know it's him. Maybe not. I, I, it's hard to say. I think at some point in time, it, it sort of changes to where, and we'll see that in just a moment. But why didn't they know it was Jesus? The Bible doesn't tell us that reason. All we know is that it was a supernatural veiling of their eyesight, and they saw a man, but they just don't know that it's Jesus. For those of you who are soft-hearted kind of people who just a moment ago felt sorry for Kelly, you're probably wanting to interrupt the story and tell the two, it's Jesus. It's him. Why can't you understand this? Why can't you get who he is? There's this touch of humor that Jesus is with them, and they think he's dead. As they walked with the stranger, they said, I, I, don't you know, as we do when we gather. I mean, one of the great things of, kind of about doing memorial services and spending time with the family is, is hearing the stories about what that person has done. I often will... I try to every situation when I'm asked to do a, a, a memorial service, I, I, I say, can we get together and I want you, I, I know my kind of set of things about your loved one, these things I know, but I want to hear your stories. And I really work hard to incorporate those stories in the memorial service. And I said, let's talk about the good things that people do. Let's talk about uh, impacts that they made on your life. Let's talk about those things that were important to that person, and you saw that. Let's talk about some things that were funny. And I'm sure that these two were doing this, maybe talking about all those things that they remember of Jesus, like he, he used to do this or Man, you should have been there when, I, when we saw him do that thing. You know. Wow, wouldn't it have been a great thing to be standing around while he told those men who were dragging that woman who was caught in adultery, 
to see their faces as one by one they started seeing him as he was riding in the man that was so cool to see them kind of put him in their place I'm sure he they were talking about did you hear the story when he was walking on water nobody's ever done that we never met any like him I can't believe he's gone. And they were very focused on their feelings and their circumstances and sharing exactly where they were that they don't look to understand who it is that's with them. Are we ever like that? Yeah. Too often we're focused on ourselves, on what we want to do. And we miss God. We miss the presence of Jesus in our life. And we might very well be missing one of those times when that experience causes an incredible surprise that we learn from. Or we fail to see him at work. We get so caught up in the circumstances and the events I'm not faulting anyone for this because I've been there. But oftentimes we let those things consume us so much that we fail to see God working behind the scenes. I, I'll tell you, quite honestly, even, even though my mind knows better, there have been times when I felt like Jesus wasn't there that he left I wonder where he was and maybe this is what they're experiencing maybe you've been there this is a lesson for us today get this whatever it was they were feeling and it's incredible that he picks out these two people these two men not the 11 disciples that were left. One is a total stranger to us. One is basically just mentioned this time in the Bible. That Jesus takes the initiative after all the events that have happened and he appears to them in their situation who were so consumed by the events of their lives he initiates a presence with them he begins to walk with them and talk with them and maybe here's the lesson that we need to learn that Jesus is with us he's always with us if you are a believer a Christ follower, 
Jesus is with you. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, Richard Sinner shared a testimony about a very scary time in his life. Well, first he had to talk about my face or something. I, 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 I've had four different faces. I don't I've had a lot of surgery on my face. Yes, okay, fine. You would think after all the surgeries that it would look better than what it does. There you go, Richard. You didn't say it. I just said it for you. But he was talking about his testimony about when he was still working. And his job took him out many days during the week to the St. Louis area. And one day, with a bunch of people that gathered around working in this room, he began to feel a little strange, and he knew something wasn't right, and he had some other guys to go and get the response team who work in the plant when there's an emergency response, and those folks came in, they came to assist him, and they determined that they needed to call 911, and sure enough, the ambulance and the fire department people showed up, and they took him to the hospital because... They were thinking he had a heart attack. And he tells, told this, that while all of this was happening all around him, all the commotion, all the natural kind of, you know, why am I feeling this way, what's going on with me, um, everything that was happening, he says that he gained a sense of complete peace. And here's what he said. In, the, in that moment, he knew that God was with him. Jesus is with us. And if we're one of his children, he never leaves us or forsakes, forsakes us. And one of the really cool things about being a Christian is to know Jesus is with me. Now, you may find that surprising, not so much that is with me. Hopefully, you don't. When I say that, though, I say that you may find it surprising that you could say that Jesus is with you. But what he's doing when he says, when we, we can rest assured in this is that it's true, because he promised it. Remember Matthew chapter 28, verse 20? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. He's always with us. But sometimes he makes himself known, and we sense his presence at just, presence at just the time we need him. But sometimes he doesn't. I may not see him, I may not even feel his presence or see any of his actions, but we have this promise that Jesus is with us. Many times God is at work even though we don't recognize it. He's working behind the scenes doing things that we can't see, even often in ways that we don't seem to understand. And today, you may be in a situation or a tailspin in life, feel like it's crashing down all around you, but if you're a believer, I want you to know this, Jesus is there. Gordon Jensen wrote a song that says, 
In the very thought of Jesus, his presence can be found. You may not recognize that particular phrase, but you will recognize this one. He's as close as the mention of his name. There is never a distance between me and my Lord, he goes on to write. He's as close as the mention of his name. And then he writes this, and this is really kind of my favorite verse of that particular song. In my hour of struggle, so many times I've found he's as close as the mention of his name. Just to breathe the name of Jesus can turn everything around. He's as close as the mention of his name. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, but to all who call on him in truth. Just try it, and you'll be surprised by his presence. We have this promise that Jesus is always with us, even though we may not recognize him. That's what verse 16 said. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him, but he is nonetheless there, even though they don't see him, recognize him. These travelers had Jesus right there, walking with them, even though they didn't recognize him. Verse 17 says this, finally. He asked, What are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, again, put yourself in kind of position of these two men. Are you kidding? Why are you asking that? A perplexing question because everyone in Jerusalem knew about the, the crucifixion of Jesus. And they stood still, the Bible says. It's like they stopped, and their faces were downtrodden, downcast, looking sad. You know, there's a real special time in the life of a child when you can play a game with them. It's that time when they learn to put different faces with different emotions that we will call out to them, and they act it out. Now, when that happens with a child, I'm talking about maybe a, a one-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old, maybe, maybe a bit older than that, it only lasts for a season, and that's when you ought to get your video cameras out, and you know, your phones, not cameras, and take a video of it because it's going gonna, it's gonna to pass away rather quickly. It's a lot of fun to get them to do this. You know the game, you tell them, show me your happy face. You know, and they show you a face with a big smile. They say, you tell them, show me your scared face. You know, you're glad that it's not permanently fixed like that, even though it sort of gets to that, you know, that sad face, that scared face, that, uh, that really uh, unbecoming face when they get to be teenagers. It's kind of there. You hesitate on this one. Show me your mad face. And you're a little hesitant maybe to ask for that one because you may see it a little too often as a two-year-old. Show me your sad face. 
When Emily was little and I did this to her, I'd say, show me your sad face, and I'd stick out my lip as I was sad. She said, Daddy, don't. I said, why? She said, it makes me cry. I still, I, 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 if she was sitting in here right now, I could bring her up here, and I'd, she'd still cry tears. Show me your sad face. And there's something about when that kid shows you the sad face back. To me, at least, I don't really like to see it. I don't want to see my children sad, my grandchildren sad. It's like I can feel that emotion that they're feeling. And in a sense, I think Jesus looked at these guys and they saw how downcast they were so sad so gloomy as if he could feel their emotions they stood there their faces downcast Jesus asked him what are you talking about one of them named Cleopas asked him are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Like, come on, man. You're the only one who doesn't know. Haven't you heard? Are you serious? And then almost like, seems like maybe he's just going to have a little more fun with them. He goes, what things? We had a Diggins meeting the other night, and I sent out a text to the men, asked them if they wanted me to have pizza brought in for our dinner. I got a response back from one of them that said, well, duh. <laughs> I wouldn't dare call out his name, but he plays drums for our worship team. <laughs> I think probably maybe if it had been the Words in that time period when Jesus asked him, like, what things that they probably answer, well, duh. I mean, surely you've heard about all these commotions and going on in Jerusalem. And they answered about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed them over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And they revealed a whole lot when they said, but we had hoped. It says a lot about their expectation of what they wanted of Jesus. He was going to redeem us, and now... No expectation of the surprise that was coming to those who were holding us basically in captivity again. We were going to be freed from Rome, but now it's all over with. It's so easy to get caught in this place in life. And they go on. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb. 
Now, I should probably stop there a moment, really, and just kind of comment on this. You know what? I'm glad we have women in our culture and our society. That they still amaze us from time to time, right? It's Valentine's Day. Come on, men. I'm trying to give you some props here. Come on. In addition, some of the women amazed us. You guys are in trouble this week, so all I got to say. They went to the tomb early this morning, this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. It's almost his hopes all gone. Dreams destroyed. Sadness looms, evil reigns, resigned to the feeling of defeat. As the two disciples pour out their confusion and their despair, Jesus, what's he doing? Listening, patiently. And when they finished telling their broken dreams and dashed hopes, he began to speak. He said to them, how foolish you are. See, here's now, he's starting to turn the, his attitude toward them starting to say, wait a minute, guys. And how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter the glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning them. He calls them fools, which seems to be really strong, which simply means, however, that they were slow to apply the truth. And he says, they're slow to believe as you have been taught, as you've heard all of your life. Like, you should know this already. But then he says, since you don't understand, I'm going to explain it to you again. So he goes back and he starts talking about the history of their people. And he's patiently walking them through this. And he just keeps going and going, and the afternoon is wearing off, and the two disciples are listening to this undivided, with undivided attention to this third man, still this stranger, so much so that they don't recognize him. They, he explains how it was that, that scriptures all pointed to Christ, all pointed to him. And I'm pretty sure they were surprised by his intimate knowledge of Old Testament teaching, another opportunity for him to surprise. And he's saying to them, all of this was foretold. What was written about Jesus really did happen. Christ really did conquer death and rise from the grave, just as predicted. He's really saying, come on, guys. You've heard this, now do you believe it? And you should believe it. Now live out those beliefs in your actions. You shouldn't be downcast and downtrodden. You should believe that I am who I say I am. He's not ready to say that yet. But he's saying you should believe Scripture. And I believe that in this we can learn a lesson also first that we need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. 
He's never going to leave us or forsake us. And then to this lesson, don't be so surprised when Jesus shows up. We should expect him. We should expect him to show up in our life. Remember the promise, I'll never leave you or forsake you? Or what about the Old Testament where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it say? Say it with me. Thou art with me. Expect Jesus to do what he says he's going to do. If he says, I care for you, expect him to care for you. If he says, I love you, expect him to love you. If you're in a fix and you call out to Jesus, expect that he's paying attention to your need. Don't just wander around uh, feeling downcast and downtrodden. And if you don't feel his presence, instead seek him out. It starts with the old song that goes, it starts with the mention of his name. Now, you might need to spend some more time getting to know him more. You might need to spend some more time in prayer with him before you really begin to sense that he's there listening and knowing it. But the more time you spend with it, sometimes it works where you just mention his name. But there are other times when he's saying, you need to seek me. Find me. Know that I'm here. And he even says, You may be slow to believe and slow to understand, but I'm here when you're ready to seek me. He's, he's here even when we're slow to believe. It's a touching picture of all of this. And he stays with them. They eventually... As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go farther. I don't know why he does this, but he, they just stop him and say, Hey, come on and eat with us. They urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly even today. It's almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then... Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Surprise! And then he disappeared from their eyes. I feel like I ought to be like Gomer Powell. Surprise, 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 you know. Another surprise. Kind of in this, we see that Jesus comes in when he's invited. And he eats with them. And for some reason, he vanishes as soon as he's recognized. Why? Well, if you really want to kind of think through it, he really didn't leave them. It's the same kind of a principle that we have today. Jesus has never left us. He just became invisible to us. He just became invisible. Do you really believe that? Here's the third lesson. And this I hope you really leave with. Even though we don't see him, he is still here. 
once you know that Jesus is alive and you believe and you accept him into your heart he's with you we sing that beautiful song miracle worker and I like it when we get to the part that says even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. He loves and he cares for his children. A couple of final verses. Romans eight thirty four tells us this. Okay, now, you may say, well, he's not, you know, I don't know about this invisible thing. I'm not sure he's always with me, but here, here's a verse that says this. Where is he? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. Here is, this is where he's at. He's at the right hand of, the, of God, and he's also interceding for us. You know, you want to know where Jesus is when you're going through those difficult times? He's at the right hand of God, and he's interceding on your behalf. Hebrews 7, 25, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now that may surprise you, but it shouldn't. Although there are times when we fail to remember this promise, he is the unexpected Jesus. He is the Jesus of surprises. And he's there. And what I've discovered, and I know you, many of you have as well, he still surprises. He still surprises when we do life with him. Would you bow your heads, please? These men went from downcast and downtrodden to the point when they spent some time with Jesus. They finally recognized who he was. And what did they do? Even though he wasn't there, he became invisible to them, they couldn't wait to go and tell others about it. You see what a surprise from Jesus will do? Life changes when we expect surprises to happen from Jesus. I'm just wondering, has your faith become so calloused that you fail to be surprised by Jesus anymore? Has circumstances and situations become so great that you're not seeking him out because you don't think he'll listen or cares?
Well, the events in Scripture says otherwise. He's as close as the mention of his name. When we call upon him in truth. We sang about it earlier. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you and me. And how do you demonstrate that? By giving his life. He has the ability to take your sadness and your pain. Those things that are just ripping your heart out, it seems. And changing it into joy and peace. When we seek him out. Maybe you're here today and it's been a while since you've done that. I invite you this morning in these quiet moments just call out the name Jesus. I need a a fresh surprise from you, Jesus. Just send me away something that lets me know that you're still there loving me. A scripture, a song, a person, a quiet time, a quiet moment when you speak into my life. Don't discount that surprise when he does. Celebrate it. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to take something that's going on in your life and bring it to the altar and pray. I invite you to do that. Maybe you need to have a closer relationship with the Lord. Maybe you want to come here in this altar and say, Lord, I've, I've strayed, I've wandered. I'm walking around as if there's a fog in my mind, in my head, and I can't see you. I invite you to come and bring that before the Lord in prayer in this altar. Maybe you're here and you just need some help, some guidance. You want me to pray with you about it, then I'm, I'm, I'm here. I invite you to do that as well. If you've got something that's going on with you right now, I invite you to just invite Jesus to come and surprise you. We ask all of these things, Father, that you just lead us to do what you want us to do. We ask it in your Son's name. Amen. Please stand as we sing. You are my joy. You are my song. The well, the one I'm drawing from. You are my refuge, my whole life long. Where else would I go? Surely, my God is the strength of my soul. 
night after night I will remember you're with me in this fight although the place in a few moments may we leave with that assurance of knowing that your love is defending us the love that you showed through Jesus Christ when he came in his humanity and he gave his life so that we could have that relationship with you we could experience that love where he's all the time defending us advocating when we need him Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Maybe see seated, please. Amen. I'll let you know it's been a great weekend here um, with our church family. If you haven't plugged in, or you didn't plug in this weekend, well, you missed out on some really awesome things. Uh, great testimony again from... Richard and, and just a great breakfast and then our ladies uh, hosted ladies ministry hosted a date night movie night and that was a blast and uh, just outside the foyer um, there's a table with some balloons and uh, they're going to be showing pictures there so take a moment and uh, check out some of those pictures from the photo booth uh, and just some of the general pictures that was taken from there so a lot of fun things happening our students uh, we're going to be meeting back here at 4.30 this evening, heading over to Bobby and Katie and Peyton's house and uh, having a Super Bowl watch party. Going to play a little Madden, eat some chicken wings, and have a good time in the name of Jesus, right? It's going to be a good time. So, 
trying to put all that together. Madden in the name of Jesus. Well, fellowship. Oh, okay. Next Sunday um, will be a special Sunday in the life of our church when we uh, redid our Constitution. The Constitution bylaw said that each year we would be having a, a, an annual business meeting, an annual day basically where we kind of laid out where the church was and, and what was happening, all the cool things that are happening within our church family. And um, just kind of what our plans are for the following year. We also have at that time scheduled after our sermon that morning in the time of worship a short business meeting where we'll present a budget. We'll um, have a recommendation from the deacon selection team who will be uh, recommending our deacon body for the next couple of years, for the next term. We'll be voting on those as well as uh, the ones who would need to be ordained. We'll be presenting a, a few other things that, uh, for the church to vote on that by Constitution bylaws we are instructed to do so. So it won't be long. I promise you that I have a shorter, shorter sermon next Sunday. <laughs> by one minute. And so you, you will please come. And this is open to anyone, only members, though. And we don't check it out, but only members vote during that time. But uh, you're welcome to come and see how the church is doing and participate in the, or be here for the business session after church. It won't be too long. Back on the table, if you would like a copy of the proposed budget, there are some copies back there you can take and look over it and see how it is that uh, this church uh, spends your money that you give. Actually, it's not your money, it's God's money, and how uh, we are accountable for what it is that is spent here doing ministry. So you can get one, pick one up on each side of the table. It's there if you'd like to have one. Would you please stand? Glad to see you this morning. Again, if this is your first time to be with us, thanks for coming this way, and take a moment to to let us know who you are. And if, you, this, you've been, if you've been here before many, many times, I'm also glad to see you. Even Richard Center, I'm glad to see. Yeah. He is glad to be seen. Yes, he had that close call. So let's pray one more time. Father, go with us today. Go with us this week. May we bring honor and glory to your name, to your son, Jesus Christ, and what we do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us. And he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. 
We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and uh, do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.